Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for joining in and participating. We are quickly going to approach 300 episodes of the show. And as I say all the time, I can't believe what started out as an experiment to do about 50 episodes. It just keeps going. And I keep learning, so that's why I keep doing the show. But I keep getting positive feedback from people who are interested in this topic of entrepreneurship. Maybe they are working for a company and they would like to go off and start their own thing. Maybe they are an entrepreneur or a solopreneur. Or maybe they have a job and they like their job. They just want to be more entrepreneurial in that job or, or maybe get their side hustle up and going. So uh, I enjoy it when I hear from you. So if you like the show, send me an email. And you can do that at Tom, T-H-O-M, at TomSinger.com. You can find us on Twitter at Cool Podcast because we're the Cool Podcast. Uh, there's a Facebook page for cool things entrepreneurs do. And if you really, really like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review because nothing makes my day brighter than finding a new, fresh, happy review on iTunes. So what I try to do with this show, if this is your first time here, is I try to interview entrepreneurs who are doing cool things. And today we've got someone who's going to fit that mold perfectly. Steve Olsher is someone who I recently was introduced to, and he is a New York Times bestselling author. He is the founder of Liquor.com, which, I mean, who doesn't like that just based on the name? And also he is putting on a really interesting new media summit that I want to make sure that we talk about. So Steve, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, thanks for having me. So, Steve, tell everybody, I don't really like the, the pre-printed bios that people give, so I like to let the guests tell. Who, who is Steve Olsher, and what do you do? Uh, well, uh, if you ask, uh, it depends on who you ask. If you ask my <laughs> wife, you're going to get a very different answer than if you ask some of my clients. So, uh, reality is I'm a 25-plus uh, year entrepreneur and uh, started out in the nightclub world and music world and uh, made my way through, geez, catalogs, real estate, dot-coms. Coaching, writing, speaking, you name it. I think uh, I think if it paid a dollar or two, I've tried it over the years, including selling the speakers out of the back of a van. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but mostly a family guy, and um, I take pride in, in having brought my kids to school pretty much uh, every day. Certainly when I'm in town, I, uh, I take them to school every morning, and, uh, and I got a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old now, so I've been doing that for, uh, for quite some time. Wow, so you kind of have those what I call middle kids, right? Because some people have yeah. babies, and some people like me have kids who are ready to graduate high school in a couple of years, and I've got one already in college, and uh, so I, you're kind of right there in the thick of it, in the middle. In the middle. You got it. <laughs> so what led you? I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and I noticed that there wasn't a lot of things like, you know, Ernst & Young or Procter & Gamble. It's not like you launched yourself right into big corporations and spun out. It looks like from the early days, you were creating your own path in the world. What led you to becoming an entrepreneur? I don't think anything in particular led me to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I mean, I will, I will say this, which is I don't think that it's something that you can learn how to do. And I know that may be a bit controversial, um, but I think it's either in the blood or it's not. You know, I just, I think people are either naturally wired to create their own thing uh, or they're naturally wired to do something else. And there's no right, there's no wrong. And I certainly understand, you know, we all got mouths to feed and bills to pay and some 
folks just prefer the security of, uh, you know, being able to get that check and, uh, and know it's coming every couple of weeks. And for me, you know, I mean, it's just always been one of those things where I've tried to rub a couple of dimes together and make a quarter. And uh, whether that was, you know, as a kid raking leaves and uh, shoveling snow or as I got older, uh, just moving into some other areas that, that I thought not only uh, would be fun to do, but also brought me, uh, you know, a pretty decent buck like DJing in clubs and those sort of things. Um, God, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's it's just really something I, I could probably try to deny, <laughs> but I'd be miserable if I did. <laughs> so so you absolutely love it. What is it? What is the best part of creating? No, I didn't say I love it. I, I mean, there's there, believe me, there's plenty of days, man, where I think about Jesus. How do I just go get a job? Like my re- my resume is on my desktop right now. Like it's been on my desktop for like you know twenty years. So it's it's always there. And, uh, and, and occasionally I'll send it out just to see what happens and no one ever hires me. So I, I've just become, I mean, I guess like, uh, you know, Michael O'Neill with the solopreneur hour, I guess I'm just unemployable. Michael has been a guest on this show twice. I've been on his show and I do like his, his tagline of, of what is it? Uh, uh, what is his tagline? It's, 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 uh, um, unemployable yeah, or something of that nature, right? Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. uh, you know, proudly, unemployable. proudly unemployable. That's the word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I actually, you know, take a different take. Cause a lot of people who come on the show say they could never go work for anybody else. And I've been doing my own thing for eight years now. And I always say, if I I went back to work for somebody else, I wouldn't be unemployable. I would be the best employee anybody has ever hired <laughs> because of what I've learned having to sort of, you know, create my own path in the world. I would be yeah. such a good – I'd hug my boss every day that I love the, left the office and I would say thank right? you. I mean, look, there's something to be said for, for going somewhere and, and somebody saying, hey, Tom, we need you to do this and you do it. And they go, Tom, great job. Here's some money. I kind of like that idea, you know, I mean, there's something pretty cool about that. Well, and you had said earlier that, you know, this isn't for everybody. And that's advice that I try to remind people all the time because people will tell me, oh, my gosh, you know, you're you're a solopreneur. You've been creating your own path in the world for eight years. You know, can can I take you out for coffee? And and I'm always like, sure, of course. And one of the things I always ask is, you know, are the people around you ready for this? You know, your kids. I mean, my kids were a little bit younger, about the age of your kids, when I went full time doing this. And I remember my daughter was coming to a speech with me. She might have been about 12 and my oldest daughter. And she had never seen me speak, per se, in a, in a corporate environment. And she was really uncharacteristically quiet in the car. And I, I asked her why. And she said, well, I'm a little worried. She said, what if you're not that great? We've, we've, put, our, <laughs> we've put our whole future, you know, you know, our whole future is, is riding on this. And on the way home, I said, what did you think? And she's like, no, the people really liked it. I, I think we're going to be OK. Like, you know, so we, we used to tell her, though, because times were really tight when you leave a big corporate job and, and become a solo opener. We used to tell her she got she was very concerned about things like money and, the, you know, house and vacations. And and uh, we said, look, you don't have to worry about that. You're 12 years old. And I said, just, you know, as long as there's Cheerios in the pantry and mm. not generic Costco O's, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing fine. And so that became like an, an ongoing thing is, oh, thank God, it's brand name Cheerios. Right. And, and recently, <laughs> because they were out of Cheerios, just on a whim, my wife picked up like the store brand Cheerios. And I took a picture of it. My daughter's in college now. And I, I, I texted her the picture. I'm like, oh, my God, do I? There's something we don't we need to know. There's generic Cheerios in the house. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I know. I took my uh, my son to to target yesterday to, uh, to get a swimsuit. He's like, cause there's it, basically I go down one road 
uh, we, we live in San Diego. And so on this, on this road, I can turn right and go towards the fancy mall or I can go left and head towards Walmart and Target and that sort of thing. And he was just like, wait a minute, well, why, why, why are you in the left lane? Where are we going? And I was like, yeah, exactly, son. So yeah. we're going to get, the, uh, we're gonna get the, the, the Costco Cheerios is basically of swimsuits is what we ended up with. Right. Well, you know, when you're 12, the Nordstrom swimsuit is not, necess- is not a, nece- a necessity, I don't think. Yeah, uh, although believe me, much to much to his chagrin, he ripped off every tag he could on that uh, on that swimsuit. But he'll wear it tonight. <laughs> That's great. So, what advice, Steve, do you have for someone who you know they want to go down that path? They're ready, and they think I want to start my own thing. I want to carve my own way in the world. What would mm-hmm. you tell them? Uh, first, I'd tell them um, to to find a really really good shrink. And uh, and see if they can uh, you know get get convinced otherwise. But if they're fully fully on committed and they absolutely want to do this, um, I got to tell you, man, it, it really at this juncture it all really boils down to having clarity around what I call your what, right? And so uh, that was the name of the book that I put on the New York Times list, which is called "What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do." And there's a very specific framework that we have in the book to really help people identify what their what is. So there's three components of that framework. One is understanding what your core gift is. The second is understanding what the primary vehicle is that you will use to share that gift. And the third uh, piece of that framework is understanding the people that you're most compelled to serve. So I think if you're going to go down that path, do so with a very clear understanding of what your what is and create something around that. So how important do you think the environment that you're in is? You're in San Diego, and and I always joke because of all the podcasters who live in San Diego that if you move to San Diego, they give you a podcast mic. But, (laughs) you know, uh, there's a lot of people who are doing sort of what I call kind of, you know, cool solopreneur-y things in San Diego. You know, you go to the Silicon Valley and you have a different type of entrepreneur. You go to New York and you have a, a yet a different type. But in San Diego, you have a lot of people who find ways, either as their main job to piece it together, or maybe they have sort of a side gig. There seems to be a lot of people in San Diego who are doing what you've done and and what I do. Do you think that the environment that you're in matters? It's a great question. And honestly, I never really even thought about it that way until you just described it. And uh, we moved to San Diego about three years ago from Chicago. And... As you describe what it might be like in Silicon Valley, and as you describe what it might be like in New York, and then as I think about what it was like in Chicago and now what it's like here, I I didn't really put two and two together until you just brought that to my attention. And and I got to tell you, I, I really do think now that I can just really envision how different people think in those four different worlds because I've been, I've spent time in those four different worlds, Silicon Valley, New York, Chicago, San Diego. Yeah. You know, because here it is truly about lifestyle first and business second. And by lifestyle, I don't mean that you have to have a, you know, a, a, you know, a McLaren and, and, you know, a mansion on the, on the ocean. I just mean that you want to have time to be able to enjoy the outdoors and do whatever your, you know, whatever your thing is. And so, yeah, you know, it is interesting how so many people that I come into contact with here have created careers that allow them to have 
uh, a lifestyle where they can take advantage of uh, you know of really everything that San Diego offers from a from a uh, you know from a weather perspective, if you will. Well, I lived in San Diego sort of long before it was the San Diego it is today. I went to college there in the 80s. Hopefully you bought a lot of real estate before you left. Yeah, I did not. And then the other thing I did is I moved to Austin, Texas 25 years ago and should have and bought up all the land. And hopefully you bought a lot of real estate there before you left. No, well, I'm still there and I, yeah. I, I own a house and, and the property values have gone sky high. So I did all right yeah. <laughs> so far on that. But, Good. but you know, I, I lived in San Diego, you know, in a time and lifestyle was what it was all about then. There wasn't a lot of business there, yeah. but now that there is, I think that has still existed. And Austin's the same way. Austin, Texas mm-hmm. is a town that 25 years ago was 800,000 people. Now it's 2.2 million. And, and we've built wow. and we've built one road. We didn't learn from San Diego, who grew before us, that uh, the people are going to come anyway if you're cool and there's a lifestyle. But I always said that I grew up with the Austin community. I moved here. I was 25 years old. It was, you know, 1991. It was before I mean, my friends in California were like, where is Austin? They thought it was like a suburb of Dallas. They're like, we don't, we don't know anything about it. And now a lot of them are like, God, were you that much of a visionary? Were you that smart that you knew Austin was the place to be? And I'm like, oh, yeah, mm. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, Not, with, without anything any question. you want to know about the future, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. But I think that both Austin and San Diego do have that thing. And it's I think I've been successful because I've been surrounded with people who it's okay to split off from the herd and go do your own thing. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think every city necessarily has that same culture within its DNA. No, I mean, it's like, you know, it's the old uh, adage about the, you know, the, the crab boil, you know, it's when you put the, the 10 live crabs in the, in the, in the boiling water and one tries to, to crawl out and they all bring him down. Right. I mean, yeah. it's like, that's, I'm sure you've heard that before. And it, and there are certain environments where it's exactly like that. I mean, I think if you go into a certain, let's just say manufacturing, you know, focused cities, if you will, you're going to find that if you are one of those folks who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work in the factory. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to create an internet company. They're all going to laugh you out of the town, you know? So yeah, I think, I think you could certainly make an argument for uh, why what you were saying is hundred percent accurate. Well, and surrounding yourself with people who are of like mind and are going to be supportive of what you're trying to do, you know, I think matters. I mean, I really believe that that your network and the people you're connected to not only, you know, help you with the direct sort of uh, introductions to the right people who can open doors, but I think sort of on a, on a sub level, just being around people, it's like, oh, well, gosh, if Steve can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, and certainly it's you, you have to have, I believe – uh, either a bit of a of a competitive spirit, or you have to be in a situation where you just can't do it anymore. I and mean, I think it's really one of the two that leads people towards this path. Yeah, and I think in my case, you know, I I, I was you know writing and I was speaking on the side, and people were like, "Wow, you're a really good speaker. You should do that professionally." And I thought, "Well, I don't know how you do that or what you do." And and then I got laid off in the midst of the reception, April first, you know, two thousand and you know nine, which you know arguably April two thousand nine was the bottom of the whole recession. There were no jobs, and I was sick of the fact that other people were controlling my future. I'd been laid off a few times in my career, and it was never that I wasn't doing a good job. And so it was like, you know, I wanted to sort of 
to take control. I was fed up. It was the time had come that I was taking the bull by the horns. And I wish I could say that, you know, I was successful right out of the right out of the woods. But eight years later, you know, I've got a nice career where, you know, I get to go in and be the master of ceremonies and MC a, a lot of events. And but it is interesting. I surrounded myself with people who weren't famous, but who were making a living as professional speakers. And, you know, I talked to, uh, you know, someone recently and they said, you know, well, what do you do? I said, I'm a professional speaker and professional master of ceremonies. And they go, yeah, but how do you make your money? Because nobody gets paid to speak. Mm. And they were speaking a lot, but they were speaking at the type of conferences where nobody was paid to speak. And they assumed that that was just the whole infrastructure of speaking. And I thought, ah, see, it's always about who you hang around with because the people who are my closest friends are getting paid to speak. So therefore, my mindset is very much that there's opportunity out there. Now I got to go find those opportunities and I have to be the right one and the right match. But I never doubted that there was a a marketplace for myself. And that's because I I was around people through my involvement with the National Speakers Association who were making great money doing exactly that. So I think putting yourself around people who are doing what you want to do helps. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt at all. And I mean, I think, but that's, that's really where, you know, people talk about, the power of a mentor or the power of a coach. And, and, and I do think that there's something to be said for having, of course, a mentor and, and having a, a coach. But I also do believe that one of the most powerful things that you can do as a business owner is to be a part of a group uh, of fellow business owners, whether it's through a, a mastermind or through a, a group type coaching program or whatever it might be. Because there is magic when like-minded people get together, no oh, doubt. Absolutely. And that's a perfect segue to a couple things I have to do before I ask you a few more questions. And one is I need to remind everybody about the Potential Project, and that is my group coaching program that grew out of this podcast. A couple listeners were like, how come you don't have a group coaching program like a lot of other podcasters? I'm like, because nobody ever asked for one. And so I started what I originally called the Cool Things Project. It has morphed into the Potential Project. And if you're interested in that, if you want to be part of a group where you can be around some like-minded people and talk about whatever's on your mind in a you know confidential and motivational type thing. We meet every Monday. We do a Zoom call, and you know I've got eight people in the group right now, and usually about three or four show up, and we just talk about what we're trying to do to reach more of our potential. You can find out information about that at TomSinger.com. Go to the About button, and you'll find the information for the group coaching program. And then at this point of the show, I have to thank our sponsor. If you're a regular listener, you know that the sponsor of this episode is Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of starting your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, the training, and the guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool guests like Steve Ulsher. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and we know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Steve, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? You know, there's there's a couple of things that I'm really enjoying, not not the least of which is my own show uh, called Reinvention Radio. And it's uh, awesome. And been, I listened. It's you. good. Did you? Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, we um, I've been doing that off and on since 2009 and then mostly on for the better part of the last three years. Uh, and when I first started out, I did it solo. Uh, and when I came back into it uh, on, on a regular basis, I started doing it solo as well. 
And I had a, a, a wonderful woman come and join me in the studio because I actually do it as a live radio show. <clears throat> I'm one of those people that needs to be somewhere at a specific time in order to make sure that something gets done. And so I actually do it as a live radio show. And we then repurpose it as a podcast. So every Thursday, I've got to show up in the studio at you know the radio station. And if I'm not there, like the plane, you know, it doors closed, takes off. Same thing with the airtime. So I, uh, I had a guest come in, wonderful woman who lives also in the San Diego area. And, uh, and actually, we both have the same uh, virtual assistant. And so anyway, we connected uh, there on the show. And I do a, a two-hour show. And she, st- she was there for the first hour. And so it was cool to have her on. Great interview. And I was like, well, you know, that was a lot of fun. Why don't you stick around for the second hour? So she stuck around for the second hour to help me with the, with the next guest and all. Uh, and she never left. And we've been uh, together ever since. And we added a third. And then we added a third uh, person, Rich Ote. Uh, and then Wade jumps in and some other folks jump in. So we actually now do it more as a morning zoo style um, type show. And, uh, and I really, really like the, the dynamic of the, of the three of us. Um, so I'm loving on reinvention radio. You know, we've had great people on Simon Sinek and um, Sally Hogshead and Michael Hyatt and, you know, you name it. I think we've had them on the show, although we haven't had Tom Singer and that's got to change. Well, we got to um, do that. I mean, got to do that. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing is, uh, is the new media summit that I'm pretty excited about, uh, which is an event that we are doing in September uh, in San Diego. So late September in San Diego and much like, uh, what you said about your group coaching program in terms of people asking, you know, hey, you should maybe do something like this. That's really how the New Media Summit was born, uh, which was out of the the conversations that I was having uh, with people who really wanted to be a guest on my show and wanted to understand how to become guests on, on other shows. Um, and so basically what we've done is we've brought in uh, people like, well, like you uh, and 39 <laughs> others just like you who have high visibility shows who are looking for guests. And so we're all going to be there. My, <clears throat> my team from your mention radio is going to be there and so on. And so basically uh, over the course of, uh, of a few days, the, the, uh, the attendees uh, will have an opportunity to have one-on-one meetings uh, with people who have platforms uh, like these and, uh, and are looking for guests. Well, and I think it's I think it's a great idea. I'm looking forward to being part of this thing because I think I tell people all the time that, you know, if you want to, grow what you're trying to do, you know, having your own podcast is a great idea, but a lot of people don't have the the constitution to do a regular show. I mean, you know, you do yours, you have to, you have a set time in the studio. I mean, that doesn't work for my lifestyle. You know, that's, what's great about the recorded podcast is I can do it around my, my, my schedule, but a lot of people don't have the ability even with that to be able to do a regular show. So many podcasts have what's called pod fade where they, they start their show and they do seven to 10 episodes and you never hear from them again. And I do two shows a week and almost I mean, I think maybe seven times have I ever missed a show and not posted mm. it. And uh, one recently, which made me feel kind of like a bummer because I've been really good about it for ages of not missing a show. But, you know, for the most part, I hit it twice a week. And what I tell people is you don't have to do that. You don't have to have that commitment to your own show. Go get on other people's shows. But a lot of people don't know how to do that. And I was looking you know, at your guests and you have the guy from Interview Valet, who I think is one of the best companies out there helping people get booked onto podcasts. Because I get emails all the time from people who are like, hey, you know, Becky Sue is a best-selling entrepreneur and blah, 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 blah. We'd like to have her on your show. And I, they're very impersonal. They're cut and paste things to me. I'm busy. I get it on my phone. I ignore a lot of these things. But what Interview Valet did, before they ever started pitching me, they started promoting my 
my show a little bit. And mm-hmm. the lady who I connected with who was, was on the staff, I said, look, I work weird. If I'm behind, I need somebody that day. I have to get a show done. I need someone who will like get me a guest in like two hours. Yeah. And she's like, great. And so I literally, if I don't have someone to interview, I'm like, who can we do today? And she'll mm-hmm. find me two or three options. And I noticed that the the guy from Interview Valet is going to be part of your your team on that. And I thought, it's so great that I get to meet him in person. He's been a guest here on the show. But also the fact, I think that using a company like them, and, and I would say them, but I'm biased because they're so good as bookers from my side, is a way to get on a lot of shows. And if you get on shows, you know, you're going to start raising your visibility but also, you'll learn from your summit how to be a good guest because there's a huge difference between someone who I interview on the show and someone who I think, God, they were a great guest. So I think, yeah. I think what you're doing is great, and I think people who are listening who would like to be guests on the show should look into the New Media Summit because you're going to walk away with so much information, and you're going to be able to promote and raise your visibility just yeah, by showing and, up. You know, yeah, to- totally, totally appreciate that. And the other half of the equation that I think – a lot of people don't uh, really understand, and and frankly, um, they do themselves a disservice by not understanding exactly what to do. Is so many people that I come across, Tom, don't really know how to monetize and really leverage the visibility that they receive, right? And this this includes a number of of podcast hosts as well. But without question, you know, reality, <laughs> but, but reality myself, is myself included. Yeah. And, you know, look, reality is it's a phenomenal vehicle to get people into your ecosystem and begin indoctrinating them into your world and move them through the process of being, you know, uh, just getting them away from simply being a, a passive listener to being an active participant uh, in your world. And so I haven't found a medium that is more powerful than podcasting. And frankly, with where the trends are going in terms of, you know, Wi-Fi being a standard accessory and 250 million cars rolling off the assembly line in the next five years and the autonomous vehicles and so on, uh, whether you're a guest or whether you are a, a host who creates your own platform, uh, I strongly believe in the future uh, of this medium. And I think we are truly in the embryonic stages. Well, and Steve, I've been teaching. I mean, I built my career teaching people how to connect better in business and get away from thinking a like, a link, a share, and a follow is actually a friendship. And after a decade of teaching this, I've never had a better tool than my podcast to actually make and build relationships with people because almost nobody who I talk to says no to being a guest yeah. on my show. Now, I'm, I'm trying to get some more celebrities and, and some, some higher level people and maybe some of the level of people you get on your show. And mm-hmm. some of those people say no because they're like, oh, well, you know, I need somebody who has 435 billion downloads every second. And it's like, well. Every second. Yeah, yeah right. You I know, know, I think you're limiting yourself if you only want to be a guest on giant shows because you almost sometimes, you know, don't know, you know, when, when that magic moment's going to happen. But the no. reality is, is most of the people, the entrepreneurs that I interview – I just reach out and say, hey, would you like to be on my show? And almost everybody has said yes. So I think it's the greatest networking tool. I mean, look, I feel like you and I are old friends and I've known you, I've known of you all of a, a whopping week. And here right. we are having a chat like, you know, we were separated at birth. Yeah. And, and it's a great point, too, because it, as, I, as I think about uh, what we really are all about here in this in this life it really does boil down to the quality of the relationships that you're able to to create. And so 
I agree with you wholeheartedly about it being a phenomenal tool to connect with people that you wouldn't normally have access to. But I also want, you know, folks to think about it from this standpoint, which is, you know, the, one of the reasons why we created the summit is, is because, you know, reality is unless you're in just some really niche, niche, niche type of, of business or have, uh, you know, expertise in something that, you know, only a, a few people in the world have expertise in, you're going to be in competition with others to be on a show like Tom's or, or like ours. And so if you cover topic A and someone else covers topic A and Tom has the choice of putting on the person who he has met and he has broken bread with and had a drink with and hung out with and he knows them and likes them and believes that they'd be a good guest on the show or person, you know, the other person who also talks about topic A, but simply sends out a random pitch on that subject. I mean, who do you think Tom's going to choose to have on that show if he wants to cover that subject? Right. right? Well, and, absolutely. That's why I think, that's why I think you're, that's why I think your summit's going to be great. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just a, a huge believer uh, in the power of developing personal relationships. And that, again, that's one of the reasons why we created this is look, you know, we, we'd certainly guarantee you'll leave the event with bookings in hand, but more importantly, you'll leave the event with real relationships with people that you've wanted to connect with. Well, so if somebody's listening to this and they say, wait a minute, what are they talking about? I, I want to be on more podcasts. I want to learn how to be a good guest. I want to find out, you know, how to make these relationships that can matter with these, these, these interesting and, and, and well-listened to podcasts. How do they find out about the new media summit? How do they sign up? So it's uh, it's a, it's a great question. And maybe, Maybe what I would suggest folks do, Tom, because it is, you know, it's a it's a smaller, more intimate event. Uh, it's limited to 150 people. Uh, and so uh, reality is we do ask people to go through uh, an application process. We're about half sold at this point. And it's not an inexpensive event to join us at. So here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest that why don't we direct people uh, towards grabbing a, a free resource that can help them connect with people like us, people who have high visibility shows and, and so on. Uh, and, and let's really get people a taste of, of what my organization is, is about uh, and the quality of things that we put together. Uh, and if you see value in what I'm going to give you here as a free resource uh, and you want to explore uh, joining us at the summit, there'll be information that follows up. Uh, after you grab a copy of this. But Tom, I'm actually going to suggest that we give folks uh, a free copy of uh, what we call the Ultimate Directory of Powerful Podcasters, Big Time Bloggers, and Social Media Stars. So that is, uh, that, that's a resource that gives people detailed contact information, including their email address, uh, of basically 240 new media influencers who can make them famous with the push of a button. Give it um, to him, man. And so, yeah, so <laughs> don't, why don't, don't we, stop. Give it to him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I just suggest starting there. Uh, and if you go to myultimatedirectory.com, that's myultimatedirectory.com, uh, you'll be able to grab uh, a free copy uh, of, of the preview edition of, uh, of that directory. And uh, I think that's a good place to start because, uh, you know, going from, hey, you, you guys don't know me and going from a, a conversation like this to buying, a, you know, a, a ticket that's uh, $4,997. I mean, like I said, it's not an inexpensive thing, but if you hire a PR agency or a booking company or this that, and the other, you're going to pay, you know, many, many, many times that amount and come up with results that are far fewer than what we're going to provide at the event. Uh, but just going from this conversation to buying that ticket, I think is, is kind of hard. So just come into my world and uh, grab a free copy of the directory. And if you like what, uh, what we're up to, 
then we'll provide instructions on how to potentially apply to join us. That That's awesome. That's fantastic. Well, I, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's cool for me. It's going to be held at uh, Paradise Point in San Diego, which the funny thing about that particular resort is when I was a kid, it was, it was not quite as fancy of a resort. It was more of a motor lodge called Vacation Village. And my mother loved that place. And we went, mm-hmm. we went every year when I was a kid and then it got upgraded. Princess Cruises owned it for a while and it was called the San Diego Princess. And I was a front desk clerk for two and a half years in college working at that property. And so I've taken my kids back now that it's Paradise Point and stayed there as a guest. So I'm actually pretty excited to go back and, and, and be part of an event that's taking place at that. Cause if there was one hotel or one property, I felt a kinship to it's uh, Paradise Point in San Diego. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to having you there, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. So Steve, I always ask the people who come on the show. I mean, we've talked about you. We've talked about your company. We've talked about your entrepreneurship. We've talked about your summit. However, I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask people who else out there, not you, who else do you say, wow, they're doing cool stuff. Well, you know, uh, I mean, there are, of course, the usual suspects out there, the, you know, the Elon Musks of the world and, uh, you know, people who really have that, that big kind of thinking, if you will. Um, but yeah, I got to tell you, man, one of the things that I, that I love about uh, our show uh, is that we're able to, to introduce our audience to, to people that they don't know. And, and I know you're saying, you know, you want to go down the celebrity path and, and try to find some of the bigger names and this, that and the other. But you know, do we really need to hear from Gary Vaynerchuk or Tim Ferriss or Seth Godin any, any more <laughs> than more we time? Have? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we know who they are. We know what they stand for. And so, you know, there's um, there, there's some people that we've had on the show uh, recently that I just have ter- just tremendous, tremendous uh, admiration for. I mean, a guy like uh, Lauren Michael Harris, who you've probably never heard of, um, you know, an African-American guy who. Uh, just had his world just really ripped out from underneath him when he was a child and ended up moving from foster home to foster home and had to endure sexual and physical and emotional abuse over those years. And I mean, just like, God, you know, I mean, just, he could have gone in any direction other than up and, uh, and he chose just to basically use that as, as fuel to create uh, a movement uh, where he inspires, uh, you know, other African Americans to 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 create something meaningful with their lives, and so it's just, you know, it's those kind of people, honestly, that you probably have never heard of. People like Johnny Emmerman, uh, who runs an organization called Emmerman Angels that matches cancer sufferers with cancer survivors. You know, I mean, th- those are the kinds of people, honestly, that I think are, are are up to the amazing things in the world. That is that is truly that is truly awesome. Hey, the last question I ask everybody is. What do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. I think they want to leave something behind that was better than what they found. And we get so many interesting answers to this question that I just love asking it. What do do you do? You know, for me, and it's interesting because there are so many ways that one could give back. And I know this is going to, I know this is going to sound like a very self-serving answer, but the reality is for me, the best thing that I can do, honestly, at this point, is create human beings that add value to the world and improve the world for others. And so, honestly, because of the amount of time that I devote to the various businesses that I have, the free time, if you will, that I have for giving back, I try to devote as much of that time to my kids 
as I possibly can. I know that might seem like a cop out and, you know, you should be out feeding the homelessness that and the other. And we do that kind of thing on, on occasion. But for me, I really need to, to, it's all about quality time. And unfortunately, because, you know, we get so busy and the kids have their activities and this, that, and the other, it's super hard to find really quality time to have with your kids if you're, if you're not careful. Uh, and it's easy to want to do that. And there'll be time, you know, when they're out and they're doing their college thing, uh, I'll do more around the, the giving back type work. But right now, I think charity truly starts at home. Well, and it, I mean, if you look around, there's a lot of people out there who didn't have parents who did that and, and, and they struggle. I think those who had parents who, who really – the kids got that message. I think a lot of them come out you know, with, with stronger and they're able to serve humanity in their own way. One of the things I did, and I, I wish I had done it with my older daughter. I actually stole the idea from uh, the co-author from my book, uh, The ABCs of Legal Marketing, a guy named Paul Grabowski. Uh, Paul is a really high-powered legal marketing executive for one of the biggest law firms in the country and – and he has a couple of daughters, and one of the things he did with his oldest, and I'm sure he's doing it with his youngest now, is every Friday, no matter how much he traveled or whatever, as long as he was in town, but most weeks he was home, uh, he would always take her to school, and they would go to Starbucks and just have coffee and just mm-hmm. talk. And when she graduated, she posted the nicest thing on Facebook. It made me kind of teary-eyed that she said she'll always remember those Fridays with her dad going to Starbucks. And so simultaneously, my youngest was going to be a freshman in high school. And so we blocked out Fridays. And interestingly, with all the travel I do, I only missed a couple of Fridays and then we would bump it up to Wednesday or whatever. And she even said at the end of freshman year that we only missed like twice the whole year, that we didn't do it that week. We would go for coffee and and we would talk about politics. And this was a big year, right? I mean, all the stuff going on uh, with the election. And we would talk about left versus right versus center versus, you know, crazy people. And, you know, she she at 15 years old has really strong opinions and a lot of them are different than mine. And we yeah. sat around and had really respectful conversations. And I, I think that, you know, when I looked back on this year, I said, I think that that was some of the, the best stuff I did, because I think she knows that you can believe whatever you want. You just have to be respectful of what other people believe. And so I, I get what you're saying and I'm trying to live it, too. And I, I'm almost done. I've got one who's moved away and didn't even come home for the summer. Uh, mm. Just finished her sophomore year, and she's staying in Pittsburgh and working. And then yeah. uh, I've got another one who three more years she'll be gone. So it's I think as parents we have to find those those little nuggets where we can we can impact their soul because you only get one shot at it. And like I said, mine are older; it goes by really fast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I don't think that one should carry any any guilt. Uh, or shame around not being, you know, this superhuman who is the world's best parent and the world's best employee and the world's best volunteer, you know, and all of these things. You really just need to do what you can do and let those superhumans be superhumans and you just do what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Steve, I am so glad that you agreed to be a guest on the show. I think that you shared so much. I hope that people look into your new media summit because I think that it could really be impactful on so many of the people who are trying to grow their businesses who listen to the show. If people want to find out more about you, if they want to find you, your podcast, your website, where, where do they go? Uh, I'd say start with reinvention radio, you know, which is the uh, the show that we've been uh, chatting about a little bit here. So start start with that. Uh, obviously, you listen to podcasts, so thank you for supporting the medium. Uh, and definitely go out and you know listen to reinvention radio. And if you survive that, uh, and you still want more info about me, or you want to explore how we can play, uh, then Steve Olsher, which is O L S H E R dot com, would be the best place to go. 
That is awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And to all of you who've listened, I say it every time, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Keep up with us. You know, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, leave reviews on iTunes, uh, join the potential project. Let's, let's make this community stronger. And we do that by actually making real connections. So thank you so much for being here. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Steve. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.